Hey there. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Lakeside. I'm your host, Daniel Stombaugh, and I'm glad you're here with me today. We are going to have a transformational day today. We're going to take the next few minutes and talk about our identity in Christ, that is who we are in him and who we are to him. And this is powerful because identity brings purpose. Let's get started. And, you know, we're talking about this uh, Song of Solomon and the study of where we are in the heart of the king and, and, and how we measure up and how we find our value. And when you understand your value in Christ and who you are in God and who you are to God, what happens is that you find every other source that you have ever went to falls away in its significance in your life. Uh, not that it's importance or it's value to you, but your reason for wanting that or your reason for valuing that relationship changes dramatically. If you look at a job and you hold that job in value because for you, that job feeds your identity. It feeds who you are as a person. When you discover your identity in Christ, all of a sudden you excel at your job because no longer do you go to it dependent on it to give you your value, but you go to it with value and you begin to move forward in it. And so a study like Solomon's Song is extremely valuable to me and to you because what it does is it helps us unpackage a lifetime or maybe if you're brand new with Christ, uh, helps teach you this right off the bat. But if you are someone who's grown up with a knowledge of God, or a teaching of God that is outside of what you're hearing in the scope, what it does um, is it helps you unpackage a lifetime of dependency upon living for the approval of God. When you live from the approval, it changes everything. And so we see this dramatically illustrated between these two people in the story, between the shepherd girl and the king. And the king, of course, is a picture of Christ and the shepherd girl is a picture of who you and I are. And if you're a man, sometimes understanding myself as the, the, the bride of Christ or in the female role uh, can feel a little bit awkward. And I've talked to some people that have read the book and uh, specifically, specifically, uh, specifically men who have said, I struggle with this idea of identifying with this woman. And then you just sort of say, okay, let's peel it back and let's look at the picture that's created. And it's not so much a gender as much as it's a uh, action of being pursued. It's a pursuing it's God is the pursuer, and you and I are the pursued. And so when you take that through that lens of, I am pursued by God, everything changes. People say, God, uh, this, there's a quote that says, God never violates his word. And that is, that is true. God never does violate his word, but he often violates our understanding of his word. And so, so much of my life was spent living in this fear and trepidation that God was waiting to smite me. And I was constantly trying to live for his approval and live for him to love me. And understanding this, that when God, when I understood my value to the king, all of a sudden that dependency on that relationship shifted from one of me trying to gain his approval to me living from his approval and no longer doing life for Jesus, but living life with God and operating from him as my very source. And so uh, we look at this, uh, the, the melody and the lyrics and the uh, message of this song, and it truly is the greatest song that has ever been written. So today we're in Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse number 7 and 8 together. 
And this is powerful because we have seen her, the girl has been brought into the palace of the king, she's been introduced into the bedchamber of the king, and she's begun to experiment in learning who she is to him, and it's taking her a while. And if you notice the last couple of podcasts we've talked about, um, this this um, transition period in her mind where she went from describing herself as not worthy, and this is going to be an unpackaging. As she grows in her relationship with the king, she is going to fluctuate between I'm worthy, unworthy, worthy, unworthy, he loves me, he loves me not type of thing, because in her mind, she is undoing a lifetime of voices that have told her that she is not good enough. And we're going to look more into that as we progress through it. But here she is standing in front of him. It's just the two of them. And as she gets to know him, she makes this statement to him. First, a Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse number 7. She says, Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth. Now remember, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So it's a very deep statement that she's saying. She says, I don't just love you with my body. She says, I love you with my mind. I love you with my, my emotions. I love you with my very will. It brings to mind the past in scriptures, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul and all thy mind. She says, tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flocks to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? If thou knowest not, O fairest among women, this is his response, Go thy way forth from by thy footsteps to the flock and feed thy kids besides the shepherd's tent. It's a really um, beautiful dialogue that's going on between them because she's with him and she makes a statement. She says, listen, you know, your love is better than wine. She's already made that statement. She's already begun to, uh, to step into this understanding and accepting the fact that she is loved. And maybe she doesn't understand it. And the truth is um, God doesn't ask us to understand his love for us. He simply asks us to accept it. God doesn't ask you or me to understand uh, the depth of the love that would send him to the cross for us. He just says, I don't ask you to understand. I ask you to simply accept it. Accept this as a gift, the gift of God. He says, accept this gift from me. And he says, she says, listen, tell me where you're going to be. I don't want to hear about you through other people. I don't want to hear about what you're doing through people that know you. I don't want to hear about uh, where you're going and the things that happened to you today. I want to share the day with you. And something clicked for me as a young man growing up in church. I, I grew up and I saw great things happen. I saw people with strong testimonies. I saw people that, specifically the senior saints of our church, the older people. And I remember um, one of the, the pastors saying one time, uh, if you really want to um, love God, what you, your goal should be, he said, man, have a relationship with God. And he named off a lady in the church, said, like her. He said, you want to have a, a walk with God like her. He said, that's just a, a very powerful thing. And truth is, when she prayed, man, you knew she was breaking through to something. You just knew that. And the way she responded to the things in life, this widow lady, uh, you just, you, you were drawn to it. You said, man, I, she does have something different. And I remember one time thinking I was going to ask her, and we were doing some yard work at her house uh, for a youth activity. And I remember getting a chance to talk to her for just a minute. And I just said, hey, what do you do with God? I mean, like, how do you get close to God? I just wanted to know. And she said, uh, you know, she, she just kind of sat down. She just sort of looked at me and she said, what is it I do? I thought to myself, well, let me go back in my Rolodex of Christian activities that will guarantee my, my presence, God's presence in my life. You know, that's what I was taught. There was a certain number of hoops. So I went back to the hoops. Let's see. It's going to church every single service. And truth is, she didn't. You know, she came when she could, but she didn't come every single service. And I thought, well, maybe it's the fact that she ties. But then I thought, well, she's on Social Security. She can't give. I looked around her house, and she didn't have much. 
well, maybe it was all the activities that she participated in in church, and I couldn't think of anything that she had actually done. So when she asked me, what is it that I do, I didn't have an answer for her. And I guess the silence was there, and she just sort of filled in the blanks for me. She said, I reached a place in my life where I have realized I have nothing that I can give God. I have nothing I can give God. She said, all I can do is just wake up in the morning and I thank him for what he's given me. I thank him for my life. I thank him for my breath. I get out of bed and I thank him. My joints hurt, but I thank him that I have joints to hurt. So I walk to the cupboard and I look through what I have to eat and I thank God that I have food. And I just have to accept his love for me in spite of the fact I have nothing I can do to earn it. You know, I begin to think about that. You know, my love for God, my, my worth to God was based upon how much I did for the church and how involved I was and what I gave and what sacrifices I made. And after a while, you tend to, tend to think, you know, that statement you sometimes you see on a billboard, since Jesus died for you, shouldn't you, dot, 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 you know, fill in the blanks. Since Jesus died for you, shouldn't you give back? In other words, what are you bringing to the table? If God's brought this to the table, what are you bringing back to prove that you're thankful and prove that you're worth it and realize, wait a minute, this lady reached this point as a senior citizen that realized I can give nothing to God, just simply accept his love, and she began to live from that. And when she began to live from the understanding that she was valued, all of a sudden the mindset of Christ became perfectly clear. When he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, what was that mind? Well, I had to go back to the times when the father spoke with the son. There's only two times in scripture that we hear an audible discussion between the two of them. One is at the baptism and one is at the Mount of Transfiguration. And when you when you watch those stories, what you see is that both times the father spoke to the son, he spoke to him words of affirmation. He spoke to him his worth and he spoke into him his worth and he said his value. This is it. This is your value. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, I look back and say, well, what did Jesus do at that point? He had not preached any sermons. He didn't uh, perform any miracles. He hadn't uh, healed the sick at that point in time. He just simply started out his ministry, but he started out in approval and he started out in affirmation. And I didn't, and it became clear that Jesus didn't sit up in the morning that day and say, what can I do to make God love me today? Uh, maybe I'll go heal someone. Jesus will be, God will be happy with me for that. I know, I'll preach a sermon. Father will be so pleased. No, he simply got up and he went about his life, yielding his talents and his abilities as they were to God and letting God flow through him. He operated in understanding and acceptance. I have pleased my my father. Now what can stand in my way? And so the senior citizen of the church had, was operating in the same manner, saying, look, the mind of Christ is not wearing sandals and wearing a beard and, and dressing up like Jesus. Having the mind of Christ is simply an understanding as I go about my day that I have value and I hold value because of whose I am, not because of who I am. I'm loved by my father and I operate from that. That means I go into my job and I face my job with the understanding that no matter what happens here, I have value with the Father. I face my family knowing that no matter how much they approve or disapprove of me, I have value to my Father and from my Father, and I operate from that as my very source. That is the mind of Christ. The opposition of that is the mindset of rejection, and that is satanic mindset, the mindset of rejection. Satan is the only one that has ever been rejected by God. God is the only one that can truly accept or reject anyone, and so if God has made the decision, I will reject Satan and 
and God has already made the decision while we are sinning, Christ died for us to accept us, then that means that I can never be rejected by anyone or anything. That means your organization may not accept me. Uh, You may give that, we don't accept you here, but honestly, you cannot reject me because God himself has already accepted me. There is no one on earth that can reject you. You have already been accepted by the Father. He knows about you. He already knows that your skin isn't right. He already knows that your your actions, and I say skin because uh, starting out this book, she brought that to the forefront and said, look, look at my appearance. Look at the, my skin is bleached and, and it's, it's darkened and it's, uh, it's cracked and it's wrinkled and, and it's been treated harshly because of the sun. And he brought it up and said, look, I'm not even caring about that. I find value in you and you have captured my heart. And honestly, we go to God and we say, listen, I know that I don't deserve you, but I understand this, uh, that, that I understand what you're telling me, that you accept me. And I may not understand why you accept me, but I certainly accept it. Today, I walk in the understanding that I've been accepted. I challenge you to write down on your mirror or write down three or five cards, just simply the words, I am chosen. I am chosen. He loves you and he loves me in spite of what we do, in spite of what we have been. He loves us. So this statement is awesome. She looked at him and she's soaking this in. And the more you understand this about God, the more you want to do life with him, the more you want to be around him. I don't understand your, why your motives are for loving me other than the fact that it's you. But man, I accept it. And God, what are you doing today? I want to be around you. I asked that senior citizen about being close to God because I saw it resonate from her. And I simply said, if I'm going to live my life uh, in church, if I'm going to live my life uh, walking with God, then I don't want to simply struggle with this thing. I want to get what this person has. And if I can learn that lesson as a teenager, uh, how much better off will I be? If I can know this lesson at 33, uh, how much better off can I be in my impact with the kingdom and my impact with God in the kingdom? How much better can I, can I do with him because of that? And man, I'm telling you what, it changed everything. It changed everything. I didn't want to hear about the king through other people. I was tired of hearing about how God seemed so close to these people. They'd say, and God just was with me in the middle of the night. And I would sit there and shake my head, nod and smile and think, I want to feel that way. I don't know what that feels like. Man, when you lost everything to be at peace because God's with you and to know that. Like, I wanted that in my life, too. And so, man, I'm telling you, when I read this passage, it just stirs that up, and it brings back to that memory of mine as a teenager at the, outside that house. Because, man, here's this lady. She's the shepherd girl. She's looking at the king saying, tell me where you're going to be at noon. I want to be with you. When you're feeding the flock, I want to be there with you. When, you're, when, you're, when you interact with people, I want to watch you interact with people. I want to be there. I want to see how you, how you laugh. I want to see how you smile. I want to see what catches your attention as you talk to someone. I want to be around you. I want to see your mannerisms. I want to notice everything about you, man. I want to study you so that I can, I can soak that in and I can know for a fact when I see something, it strikes me and says, ah, oh, they would have loved to see this. You ever been out somewhere and you see something and someone in your heart that you love with all your heart, they come to mind. You say, man, I wish they were here. I'm going to take a picture of this. I want to tell them about this. Man, no, she said, I want to see everything about you. I want to see where you're at. I want to notice the things that you notice. I want to pay attention to everything. I want it to be forever changing my viewpoint of life from now on. When I see something that would have catched your eye, would have caught your 
your eye, rather, it would have catched. It would have caught your eye. I want to note that and say, man, that would have caught the eye of my king. Or, man, that catches the eye of my king. That catches the heart of my king. When I see something that stirs me and it stirs something in my memory of you and experience with you, I wanted to bring that back with me and say, man, uh, I can't wait to talk to him about this. I can't wait to talk to God about this. I can't wait to bring this to God's attention again, even though he knows about it. I want to bring this to his attention to let him know, if anything else, I noticed this because I noticed you and I know the things that are important to you, God. I know the things that catch your heart. I know the things that stir you and they stir me too. They stir me too. Knowing you, I can't help but be stirred by the things that that stir you. I can't help but notice the things that you notice. I can't help but have my heart tugged by the things that tugs your heart. Man, the people that cry and they're wounded. Every time in the Bible you read, Jesus was moved with compassion. I look at that and think, man, I, I want that. I want to be moved with compassion. The same things that move my king to compassion. Because it's not just Daniel. It's me and the king together. Like we're doing life together. I want us to be stirred together. You know, it's very, it's funny because, um, you know, that one thing you want more than anything else in your life is you want the people that are closest to you to enjoy the things that you enjoy, right? So I look at um, my, my musical playlist on my iPod. I was preparing an iPod for my daughter. She's getting ready to take a little trip, and she's about seven. And so I got the iPod loaded up. And she said, Dad, can you load it up with music? And so I'm putting songs on there, and I'm asking her, "What do you want this one? And I click play for a few minutes, and then I noticed that the ones that caught my attention, the ones that I really, really like the most are the ones her eyes lit up, and she nodded her head up and down. Some of the songs she'd never heard before, but it was the, something about the tone and the frequency of that song, uh, the, the rhythm and the meter. It caught her attention, and it caught that little part of her heart that, that just stirred her. said, man, it's a good song, and she hadn't heard it yet. But she responded the same way that I did when I downloaded the song in the first place. And that made me feel amazing. I was like, this is my child. She's genetically part of me. Like, she catches the things that I catch. When my son likes to watch superhero movies with me, it just stirs my heart because it's like, man, yeah, you're my boy. (laughs) You know, we got the same things going on. We like the same stuff. And man, I'm telling you what, you have been given a new genetic coding by God. He is your father. He's the king. And what stirs his heart, the more you're around him, the more you see him interact in people's lives, the more you are a part of that, it stirs your heart. And you say, man, I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss any opportunity to have my heart engaged with yours at any level. And I look for that. So when I read the statement, she said to the king, she says, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? Because I want to be there. I don't want to hear about you. I don't want to hear about this from other people. I want to experience you and all of this for me. Do you want it for you? Man, I encourage you today to take the time to ask the Holy Spirit, help me engage with the heart of the Father today bring things across my path, open my understanding and awareness to this genetic coding that he's given me when he made me a new creature raised to walk in newness of life. What is it? Let me be part of this with God. Man, I hope you have a fantastic day today. Make sure you smile today. Give someone your source. Every time you smile, you are giving someone your source, and your source is God. And the world is hungry for your source. Encourage you to to be to be productive in that area. Ask God to open your eyes to that. Thank you so much for being with me. Tomorrow's podcast, we're going to talk about uh, where he compares her to a horse. And is that a good thing? <laughs> yes, it is. I can't wait. Have a fantastic day. day. God bless you. Bye now.